You're listening to the Christian Bro Code Podcast, a discipleship podcast for men dedicated to adding value to your spiritual growth with your host, Mario Escobedo. What's up, bro? Hey, what's up, bro? Thanks for tuning in to the Christian Bro Code Podcast. This is the men's discipleship podcast dedicated to adding value to your spiritual growth. I am your host, Mario Escobedo. And hey, when what I mean when I say that I want to add value to your spiritual growth is the following. By adding value to your spiritual growth, I, I really want you to take a step from where you currently are to where you feel God wants you to be. Just, just take a step of spiritual growth. And I can assure you of this. This is true for every single one of us, that where God wants us to be is far better than where we currently are. It's not that God is upset or dissatisfied or disappointed with where you are right now. It's just that he has so much more for you where he wants you to be. And so my sincere hope, my sincere prayer, and the the entire purpose of this podcast is to add value to your spiritual growth thereby allowing you to take a step from where you are to where God wants you to be. And I sincerely thank you for taking time to listen to this podcast, and I do hope that it's adding value to your spiritual growth. I want to jump right on in to the conversation I want to have in this episode, and it's something that I'll admit is very difficult for me. I I can teach this stuff, I can I can preach on this stuff, but doing it is is a different story, and that's probably the case with a whole lot of stuff when it comes to Christianity. It's really easy to understand it, to study it, to teach it, to preach it, to live it, which is actually the, I mean, that's what it's all about. That's the difficult part. And I want to take you to a story in the book of John, the event, uh, the, the gospel of John, chapter 13, I'm sure you're familiar with this episode in the ministry of Jesus because it's when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. This takes place not too long before Jesus was arrested. You know, he was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested, tried unjustly, and crucified. This this episode of him washing the disciples' feet happens not too long before that. And let me read to you quickly. I'm not going to read the whole episode for sure, but I'm going to read to you starting in verse 4. And I'm going to read verse 5. Here's what it says. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, this is talking about Jesus, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I want to pause there for just a second. I'm, I'm going to pick up reading in a few minutes, a couple of verses down the way in the passage. But I want you, if you would, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what might Jesus have been thinking as he was washing the disciples' feet? Now, there's no way to know for sure, right? We can't psychoanalyze Jesus in that way and know exactly what he was thinking. But I'd like to imagine that Jesus was feeling a sense of pride. Jesus was was feeling, uh, yeah, I guess that's the best way to describe it, a sense of pride when he was watching washing each of his disciples' feet. And here's here's why I say this. Jesus knew what was about to take place. Jesus knew that he was about to be betrayed, arrested, crucified, but he also could see farther into the future than just his immediate death. I think Jesus was completely and plainly aware of what the fate of each one of these disciples was going to be. Jesus was completely aware that these disciples— loved him so much and believed so much in who he was and what he did 
that the majority of these disciples were going to lay down their lives in martyrdom for them, for Jesus. They were going to give their life in sacrifice for Jesus. I, I think Jesus knew this as he was washing his disciples' feet. And for that reason, I say that Jesus had to have felt a sense of pride as he was washing his disciples' feet. So here's what I can imagine as he's going from disciple to disciple, washing their feet. Let's say that Peter uh, is the first one that he washes his feet. Well, actually, he wasn't, but let's just say for the sake of argument that he was. I can imagine Jesus looking down on Peter's feet and washing his feet and, and knowing how Peter was going to die. Church history tells us, and there's no way to be 100% sure about this, but church history tells us, church tradition and church history tells us that Peter was martyred under Emperor Nero. Uh, Nero was a, a psychopath. And Nero launched this massive persecution of Christians, and it was under his reign that Peter died. Peter was crucified. However, what we know from church tradition, from church history, Peter was crucified upside down because he said that he wasn't worthy to die the same way that his master had died. And so Peter requested to be crucified upside down. Another disciple, James, the son of Zebedee, we find out in Acts chapter 12 that he was killed with a sword. But we also find out that his testimony was, was such that there was a man who had accused James and had brought this accusation against him about being a follower of Christ and all this stuff. But when this accuser saw just how steadfast James was in his faith, he repented and converted on the spot and, and he asked to be executed alongside James. That's how strong his testimony and his faith in Jesus was. Another one of his disciples, of Jesus' disciples, Philip. Philip was whipped, thrown into prison, and then ultimately crucified. Bartholomew, another one of Jesus' disciples, he was beat and then he was crucified. That's according to one church tradition. Another church tradition says that he was skinned alive and then beheaded. Either way, neither of these ways is a good way to go. Thomas, another one of Jesus' disciples, he was run through with a spear, and he was killed that way. Another James, who was also a disciple, James, the son of Alphaeus, here's, we, we don't know exactly, okay, because we're, we're talking about many centuries ago that this took place, so, you know, they didn't have this recording software that we have today to record and document the way that we have now. But here's what church tradition tells us, that James, the son of Alphaeus, another one of Jesus' disciples, he was thrown off of a high spot, either a cliff, according to some traditions, or the temple in other traditions. But what we can be fairly certain about is that when he was he was thrown off of a high spot, some high place, either the, the, the roof of the temple or a cliff, People just threw him off of the cliff. Let's say it's a cliff. And when he hit the ground, he didn't die. That, that was amazing. He didn't die. And so so what happened? The people who were around him, who had seen him plummet to the ground, they began to stone him and to beat him. And then ultimately, he was hit in the head with this club, and he died. Now, it, it just, in, in my mind, I just have to believe that Jesus, being who he was, knew all of this, that Jesus knew that these men had so believed in his message and had so believed him in, in him 
as Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, the Savior of the world who had come from heaven, sent by God the Father. They believed in him so much to the point that they just decided that they were going to give their lives over him. And, and Jesus knew this. And as he's washing his disciples' feet, I, I just have to think that Jesus feels this enormous sense of pride and love for his disciples because he knew what they were going to do for him. But there's one disciple that when Jesus came to him to wash his feet, Jesus had to have been thinking something completely different because Jesus knew how this particular disciple was going to die. And so Jesus washes all the disciples' feet, and and when, when he comes to this one disciple, Jesus knew what this disciple was going to do. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. In fact, in John chapter 14, we're told very explicitly by John, the author of this of this writing, we're told very explicitly that Jesus already knew that Judas had decided to betray him. He already knew that. And it blows my mind to read in this chapter that although Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, Jesus washed his feet anyway. There's no indication in the text whatsoever that Jesus washed all of the disciples' feet and then saw Judas and said, uh-uh, not you, because I, I know what you've already conspired to do. J- Jesus didn't do that. There's no indication in the text that, that Jesus came to Judas and said, listen, I, I, you and I both know what's going on here. Why don't you just go ahead and leave and do what you got to do, and, and let's just skip the whole foot washing thing. He, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't come to Judas and, and skip him. He treated Judas the same way he treated all of the other disciples. He washed his feet. He, he washed Judas's feet in the same way, and I have to imagine that he did it with the same love as he did for all of the other disciples. And just, just notice the contrast. Notice the difference between Judas and the other disciples. These other men who were going to give their lives for Jesus, that they were going to die horrible, tortured, tormented deaths. They weren't just going to die. They weren't just going to die for Jesus. They were going to suffer before they died for Jesus. And still, even though Judas was going to die in in the most cowardly way possible. He hung himself because of what he did to Jesus, because he betrayed Jesus. At that moment, in that night, in that room, when Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, he didn't make a distinction or a difference between the men who were going to die for him in sacrifice and in martyrdom and the man who was going to betray him and hand him over to be crucified. We don't get any indication in the text that Jesus made a difference, made a distinction. He washed all of his disciples' feet. Those disciples who were going to die for him and that one disciple who was going to be the cause of Jesus' death. He washed their feet and he washed his feet, Judas' feet. And to me, it comes to an incredible principle when it comes to those of us who are Christian bros, it it's it comes down to something that, and and again, here's here's why I started this particular episode the way I did, saying 
I can teach this stuff. I can preach it. In fact, I have preached this stuff. I have taught this stuff. I, I just I just don't know how well I'm living this, and that's just always a question that I have for myself. I wonder what grade I would assign myself on a scale of 1 to 10 if I actually graded myself on this particular principle that I'm learning and, and teaching from this portion of the Bible. In fact, even worse, I wonder how others would grade me on this. I wonder how Jesus himself would grade me on this, what I'm learning from this passage. Because here's, here's the big takeaway. Here's the big idea from this passage. And there are a ton of things that we could take away from this passage, but for this episode, for this conversation, here's the big takeaway. Here's what I want to leave you with, that I see Jesus demonstrating when he washed the disciples' feet, all of those who would die for him, and at the same time, he washed Judas's feet, the guy who was going to betray him. Here's the big idea that I see Jesus conveying to us, his followers. Serve others even when they don't deserve it. Uh, just, just, just think about that for a second, because again, I, I can almost see you. I, I'm sure you're nodding your head in agreement because it sounds great. It lines up perfectly with a kingdom mentality. It lines up perfectly with the message of the gospel and with the message of Jesus. Yeah, serve others even when they don't deserve it. But, but. You know, and I'm not here to judge you by no means. I'm, I'm kind of reflecting on myself. If I were to grade myself on that one principle right there, serve others even when they don't deserve it, I, I wonder how well or how poorly I would come out. Serve others even when they don't deserve it. Look at what Jesus did. Did Judas deserve for Jesus to wash his feet? No. One could make the case that None of the disciples deserve to have Jesus wash their feet, but considering the outcomes of each of all the of all the different disciples, considering the fact that Jesus knew that most of these disciples were going to give their lives and sacrifice and, and martyrdom for him, one could make a case that they deserved that, or at least that Jesus felt that they deserved for him to wash their feet. But you, you come to Judas and there's just no way. I just, I just don't see a way that anybody could justify or rationalize that Judas deserved to have Jesus wash his feet. Still, Jesus did it. And, and you've probably heard this, you've probably studied this at some point or another. For Jesus to wash the disciples' feet, just all of the disciples in general, that was an act of, of, of servanthood. That was a job that was reserved for the servants of the day. And so Jesus was serving, and that lines up very much with the message of Jesus that he said that he had come to serve, not to be served. That, that lines up with the message of Jesus. Jesus was demonstrating servitude. He was demonstrating how to be a servant. But the real kicker of that, and again, back to the big idea, the big takeaway from this passage, yeah, the, the, the disciples would have been like, yeah, I, I get it, Jesus, we're supposed to serve and all that stuff. But the real kicker here is that Jesus served Judas and Judas didn't deserve it. And at, at the moment, look, and I'm going to take you to, to another uh, a verse right there, uh, still in John chapter 13, Jesus tells his disciples in verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Verse 15, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you, because no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So Jesus is telling his disciples, look at what I just did. I served you. That's the example I'm leaving for you, and so you should serve one another. Now, at 
this point, the disciples really have no clue about what Judas is about to do. Jesus knows, Jesus knew, he already knew at that point, what Judas was going to do and that Judas was going to betray him, but the disciples didn't know that. And so I can imagine the disciples, when they when they hear Jesus say this, hey, I've washed your feet, so you should wash one another's, one another's feet as well. I can imagine the disciples kind of looking around the room and saying, yeah, okay, I can do this. I've, I've lived with these guys for three years. We've, we've been together for these three years. We've grown a, a deep friendship and a love and a respect for one another. We, we admire each other. Yeah, I, I, can, I can wash that guy's feet. I can wash Philip's feet or Bartholomew's or James or Andrew or even Judas's feet. I mean, they, I can wash. I know these guys. You know, we're bros. We're bros. Yeah, I can wash their feet. So at the moment that Jesus was, was saying that, you know, wash each other's feet just to, you know, I've given you the example. I, I, I don't think the disciples struggled with that. They would have said, I, I can do that. Yes, I can do it. But what of or what happened when the disciples found out what Judas had done? And then they remembered Jesus's words, wash each other's feet just like I've done yours. It's, it's at that moment, I think, that the words of Jesus, and more than that, the action of Jesus of washing Judas's feet would have just sunk into the disciples heart and would have radicalized what they thought about Jesus and who he was because now this this teaching of Jesus or this command of Jesus wash each other's feet like I've just done do the same thing they're thinking wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute Jesus didn't make an exception when it came to Judas and and, and he betrayed him and Jesus knew that he was going to betray him and still he washed his feet oh man that's that that's how I'm supposed to that, that's what I'm supposed to do I'm I'm the, the ones who are going to treat me badly, I'm, I'm supposed to serve them? And, and the words of Jesus would have resonated in their ears and in their hearts. Yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've done this. I, I served. I humbled myself and I served the one who least deserved for me to serve him. That's the example I'm leaving you. Serve others even when they don't deserve it. Now, you, you'll see now, hopefully you see now what I mean, that this is a great teaching. Oh man, it's a, it's a great teaching that Jesus left us. It, it's a great principle. It, it's something that, that the, even the world could get behind it and say, yeah, hey, that, that's a great principle. That's very, that's very altruistic. That's just beautiful. That's being a good person. That's being a good bro and all that stuff. Anybody can get behind it, but where the rubber meets the road, man, that's, that's where my concern, in, my concern is. How well am I living that stuff out? You know, and, and again, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure because because it's not just serving others who don't deserve it. That it, people who fall in that category aren't just random people off the street. I mean, look at the context in which this took place. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They had formed a very close-knit community. They had grown together as bros and as servants of Jesus. And he's speaking to them, hey, you, you in this tight-knit community serve each other even when they don't deserve it. And so when I when I take that, I, I say, well, who are those who form my tight-knit community? And, and when I think about it, at least the very first circle of my tight-knit community is my family, my, my wife and my daughters. And, and I'm going to tell you that 
there are times when I probably feel right or wrong. I don't know, but there are times that I probably feel that they don't deserve for me to serve them, right? Maybe if you're married, if you have kids, it's interesting to me how the people, meaning my wife and my daughters, they are the ones who are the cause for the most joy in my life. And at the same time, they are sometimes the cause of the greatest pain and frustration in my life. Isn't that weird how that works? And it's in the moment when they're causing me the most pain and frustration or maybe even anger or whatever it is that I have to remind myself of this particular episode in Jesus's ministry, that he told his disciples and he just didn't tell them with words, he demonstrated it with actions, that those who are closest to you and those who will most inflict pain on you, you still have to serve them even when they don't deserve it. And, and I'll tell you that this, this is a lesson that, that I feel the Lord has been working on my, on my own heart. And I'll tell you, just, just the, the, the week that I'm recording this episode, okay, right, right now, I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but I'm recording it on a Friday night, okay? It's Friday night, everyone's already in bed. It's Friday night, I'm recording it. But just this past week when I recorded this episode, I've been praying in the morning, getting up, doing my devotional, reading the Bible, praying. And and this past week, my prayer to the Lord has been, Lord, I just want to be a, a man of the of the kingdom of God. I, I want my actions and my life to reflect a, a man who belongs to the kingdom of God and a man who is dedicated and committed to advancing the kingdom of God. And I said, Lord, and I want that to begin in my family. I want that to begin uh, with me as a husband, with me as a father. I, I want to live out kingdom living in, in my family. Before I do it with my church or with other people, with my neighbors, I want to do it with my wife and with my daughters. And that was my sincere prayer for this week. And, and I remember that the, the one of the mornings that I prayed that before everyone got up, I prayed that, Lord, today, 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 I'm going to be a kingdom man as a husband and as a father. And, and Maybe five minutes later, not even exaggerating, maybe five minutes later, I go into the kitchen and we're getting ready and my wife did or said something. I can't, it's so lame. I don't even remember what it was now. And, and I just lost it. I didn't yell at her. I didn't like throw a fit or anything like that, but, but I didn't react in a way that, that a kingdom man should react. And, and just like two seconds after I did it, I was like, didn't I just pray that I wanted to be a kingdom man? Didn't I just pray that I wanted to be a kingdom man in my home as a husband and as a father before anywhere else? What just happened? It's tough, man. When, when, when you're talking about real life and living things out with your wife and living things out with your kids, living things out with that boss who is a jerk, living things out with those coworkers who just get on your last nerve, that's when stuff gets real. And that's when this teaching of Jesus gets really real for me, serve others even when they don't deserve it, because it, it can be a great teaching, it can be a great preaching, but if it stays there, then what good does it do us? It's my sincere opinion, and I've, I've held this for years, that true Bible study isn't Bible study until you've lived it out. 
until you've found a way to apply it in your life. It can't stay in the realm of theory. It can't stay in the realm of study. That's not Bible study. You've, you've done an academic exercise, nothing wrong with that. But if you want to call it a real Bible study, there has to be some sort of true application to it. And and man, I'm, I'm just, I'm being real with you because you're my bro, right? I, I've messed up with this. I haven't lived this out all the times as, as I wish I could. And my prayer, my prayer is, Lord, when when I encounter those moments when in my fleshly side or my human side, I just judge that my wife or my daughters don't deserve to have me serve them, remind me of what you did for Judas. And, and beyond that, remind me of what you did for me. Because you served me by dying on the cross when I didn't deserve it. Paul tells us that when we're, we were yet sinners— Christ Jesus died on the cross for us. He didn't wait for us to be perfect or good enough to merit his death for our sins. No, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. He served us even when we didn't deserve it by dying on the cross. And so I I, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would prompt me and the Holy Spirit would speak to me and the Holy Spirit would remind me in those moments when I, in my up on my holy mountain, up on my ivory tower, I have determined and I have judged that my wife and my daughters or my co-workers or whoever it is, they don't deserve for me to serve them, that the Holy Spirit at that moment would prompt me and say, uh-uh, the example that Jesus left you was serve others even when they don't deserve it. And so here's my challenge to you today, bro. I don't know at what point you're listening to this, I don't know what's going on in your life as you're listening to this, but my guess is, is that if you're anything like me, there are people in your life who can rub you the wrong way. Here's my challenge to you. Find a way to serve those people. <laughs> find, find a way to serve them, especially when they don't deserve it. And maybe, maybe in your case, that is going to be your wife at some point this week, or that is going to be your kids at some point this week, some other family member. I, I, I don't know. But what I'm going to pray for myself, and then I'm going to challenge you to do this as well, is to allow the Holy Spirit in those moments when we have determined and judged that that individual doesn't deserve, <laughs> it, it sounds funny just saying it, you don't deserve for me to serve you, that in those moments that that this example that Jesus has left us would just be so real to us and that we would say, well, if I am a follower of Christ, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, a follower of Christ, then the example has already been laid out for me and I don't have much of a choice. I'm going to serve them even when they don't deserve it. And as Jesus did it in love, I'm going to do it in love as well, not begrudgingly, but I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would give me the love and the power and the passion that I need to serve these people, even when they don't deserve it. That's not easy. But hey, the fantastic thing is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to accompany us and to help us in those moments when we can't do it on our own, allow his power to do it in us and through us and for us. So, hey, that's the conversation for today. And man, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm the only one who had to hear this this week. Maybe I'm the only one that's struggling with this, but 
maybe maybe this helped you out as well. And so it just just dream with me a little bit and imagine what would happen if if all of us, all of us Christian bros, just took this seriously and started saying, you know what, I'm just going to serve people when they don't deserve it. What what kind of a revolution would take place for the kingdom of God? What kind of a revolution would take place in your home, in your place of employment, in your neighborhood, if we just took the words of Jesus seriously? And let's just start with this one, serve others when even when they don't deserve it. Something revolutionary can happen, and it can start with each one of us wherever we are. So there it is. This That's the, the end of this conversation for this episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Christian Bro Code Podcast. You have no idea, for real, you have no idea how much fun I have putting these episodes together. I, I, I look forward to the time when I get to sit down in my office, bring out the microphone, and hit record. It's I, I love doing it. I love doing it. And uh, again, my sincere prayer and hope is that this adds value to your spiritual growth so that you can begin to take steps, at least one step, from where you are to where God wants you to be. Because, man, bro, where God wants you to be is so much better than where you are right now. And he's got a lot of stuff in store for you. So that's it for this episode. Again, I hope this adds value to your spiritual growth. I would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. But very important, share this podcast. Share it on your Facebook page, on Twitter, wherever you are, Instagram. Share it so that other bros can also listen and they can have some value added to their spiritual growth as well. Get the word out there. If this is benefiting you, then for sure it's going to benefit somebody else. Share this. Get the word out there so that other bros can also grow and advance and move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Again, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Christian Bro Code. We'll talk to you later, bro.